powerful, the testimony Jordan just gave about that song. Just fits so perfectly into what we're going to share this morning. If you need to worship God, we can know that by your uplifted hand. So if you'll lift it at this time, we'll make sure that everybody has one. Uh, so that when we get started, you'll have a way to uh, take some notes. And God can use these in your life throughout the week, in your Bible studies, in your small groups. That's kind of the purpose of this. So I pray that you'll, you'll get one of those. Well, thank you for coming this morning. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I always love for you to have a, a, a text, a place to look at, even though I, I use the screen a lot and I give you a way to look up to the screen and, and see a lot of the passages. I feel like it's, it's a necessary thing for us to have our Bibles in church or some sort of an of a electronic Bible to be able to look with our own eyes and see the text. And so we're in Hebrews 11, and we're going to take a quick a review, if you will, of where we're at. We've been here for about three months. We've been talking about the power of attitude. And it's kind of stunning a little bit to think that we've been here for so long. And Scripture has a lot to say about God's attitude, about our attitude. In fact, we looked at the Old Testament and we found within a three or four chapter segment of Scripture that, that God took great offense to the attitudes of the children of Israel. And we find in the Old Testament that God is not into tolerating bad attitudes. He's just not into it. I mean, he had some pretty incredibly hard things to say to people who complained. In fact, that's where we started, right? We started with the attitude of complaining. Scripture calls it murmuring. Another word would be grumbling. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to replace a complaining attitude with an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude. That pleases me. When instead of complaining, when instead of looking, looking to the negative, when instead of majoring on the minors, when you look to the things that I've done for you, like salvation and like heaven and like providing for your needs and your food and your shelter, when you look to those things and thank me and praise me and lift your hands and eyes and worship, and that brings me great joy. God says, put off your complaining. Put on gratitude. Secondly, we saw that God said, I want you to put off covetousness. Always wanting more. Never being satisfied with with what I've provided for you. And I want you to replace that with contentment. Be thankful for what you have. And be content because godliness with contentment is truly great gain. If you want to know where the real riches are in life, it is not in having more. It is being thankful for what God has already provided. And then God says, I want you to put off a critical spirit. Put off that critical spirit. Put off that spirit that comes to church looking for something to be critical about. Put it off. Get rid of it. And I want you to replace it with an attitude of love. Of love for the brothers. Of love for the sisters. I want you to look for ways you can love people. And embrace people. And accept people. And care for people. And reach out to people. As opposed to having that critical spirit. So put it off and put it on. Put off that bad attitude. Put on that good attitude. I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. And then two weeks ago we found that God said to put off doubt. Put it off. And we talked about that a little bit this morning. As we introduced some of the worship. And. The, the doubt that is often there in our lives, it creeps in and it's, it's there. And, and because it's there, we, we have to put it off so we can replace it with this morning's message, faith. Put off doubting, put on faith. Now remember, we talked about this each week, that attitudes are a pattern of thinking 
that is formed over a long period of time. Brother Butch was great to point out Abraham. Abraham, who was willing to offer by faith his son Isaac. And we're stunned by that. We're taken back by that. And we're blown away by that. Man, I wish I had the faith. I wish I could just believe like Abraham believed. I don't think I have that much faith. And God says he didn't get it that quickly either. He formed it over a long period of time. You look back over Abraham's life, and when he was tested with small steps of faith, he took those steps of faith, and they developed over time into this huge amount of faith. We find that Jordan could write a song on, You Are Faithful. But Jordan did not write that song as if a light bulb went off and he said, wow, I think God is faithful today. I'm going to write a song. No. I believe that young man had seen God's faithfulness over a long period of time. So when his mother had a stroke and suffered great, great distress, he was able to sit down in his room and say, God, you. Are faithful. An attitude, not of a critical spirit, not of doubt, not of God, what's wrong with you? Where are you at? Do you really love me? No, you are faithful, God, and you won't stop loving me even through the deepest trials. So, what is faith? Faith is active confidence in God. We're not defining it yet, so let me just lay a foundation. Faith is having an active confidence in God, faith is rooted in a God who is real. Some of you may be wondering, and, and that's okay, it really is okay, because I, I need to explain to you that, that, that one of the reasons why we in this building worship and praise and are learning to express our worship and praise to a God who is awesome is, is this, because we realize He's in this place. God is in the building. And so when we realize we are worshiping a God who is real and our faith is rooted in a God who is real, in a God who has proven himself over and over and over again, then we realize that, man, my faith is being increased because I'm seeing God work throughout my life. And so, Lord, you're increasing my faith. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 and we're going to begin with this this thought of the prescription of faith. As we begin to to lay out what faith is and and how we can have more of it, let's go to a great chapter, although we could go many other places. Let's go to this first, this this, this great chapter, this Hall of Fame chapter, if you will, and let's look at the prescription of faith. And Luke, that's a note there. Yeah, the prescription of faith. Number one, I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Look here, two main words, and circle those words if if you can. Now, faith is the... Main word number one, substance. Substance. Faith is substance. But it's not just substance, it's evidence. It's the substance of things hoped for, but faith is also the evidence of things not seen. So let's try saying that together as a church family this morning. Are you ready? Here we go. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the of things not seen. Now we just said it. Like we read it, but now let's say it like we believe it. Are you ready? Let's say it again. Faith is the of things hoped for, the of things not seen. I think you might believe that just a little bit more. Let's look at those two main words. The first word is substance. Faith is substance. In the physical realm, 
We might illustrate this by making an order on the internet for something that we can't see. We make that order, we click the right buttons, it asks for our credit card number, we put our credit card number in, kind of hesitatingly wondering, you know, have you ever felt that way, you know, where's this going to go, and will anybody else see it, and, and, but we put it in, and we put our little codes in, and our expiration date in, and then we click the button to submit the order, and then it says print the receipt, and so we decide we're printing that receipt, if there's anything I'm going to have is that receipt, that's going to be my substance, it's not the evidence It's not what I see. It's not what I ordered. It's not what's going to come in the mail in seven days. But it's a confirmation number. It's a receipt. It is the substance that I'm going to hold on to while I wait for the gift to come. In the spiritual realm, it is much the same. In the spiritual realm, by faith, we ask God for things. In the spiritual realm, we begin to to trust God. We begin to uh, pray and say, God, uh, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm asking for. This is what I'm praying about. This is what I'm believing you to do. It's the substance. But faith is also the evidence that God is faithful. You are faithful, God. He has done it before. He has come so many, come come through so many times before, thousands of times before. God has always come through. The reason why you're able to put that, that, that order into the internet, put your credit card number in, get the receipt, and maybe at first you kind of worry just a little bit, but the more you do it, hundreds and thousands of times you do it, you're like, it's just not no big deal. I order it, I get the receipt, I wait for it, it comes. And God says, let it be that way with me. Let me prove myself to you over and over again so that you can trust me because I will never fail. Now let me give you a practical definition of faith on the screen. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God has promised a good result. Would you say that with me this morning? Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel Because God has promised a good result. Now I want to drive that through for the next five or six minutes. I want to drive that in. I want you to get that. Because that is it. That's that's what faith is. First of all, faith, number one, is believing the word of God. That's what it is. Now believe is not, you know, we sang just a moment ago. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe, we believe, we believe. Believe is more than, I hope so. I hope the Razorbacks at least have a 500 record this year. I'm just hoping. Belief is more, believing in something is more than, well, I hope so. Believing is saying this, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm trusting in one way to heaven. No other way but the name of Jesus. Believing is I have no plan B. I'm putting myself at risk. I'm stepping out into the unknown. I really don't know what's going to happen But I know God does. 
But what am I putting my faith in? That's the question. So look at the definition. I'm putting my faith in the word of God. God's word. I'm not believing the newspaper. I'm not believing the television. I'm not putting my my belief in my neighbor. I don't have to. Because God wrote a book. And I believe in a God who wrote a book. And God said in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Wow. God cannot lie. Is that what that says? He can't lie. Like men can't have babies. And like women cannot enjoy NFL football games. For the most part. God cannot lie. Everything God has said is true. Everything. Not some things, not almost everything, not everything God has said is true. So it is not foolish at all to put your confidence in a God like that. Not foolish at all. So faith is believing the word of God. But that's not enough. A lot of people say they believe the word of God. A lot of folks read their Bible. A lot of folks say, yeah, yeah, I've been raised in church. I've got a Bible. I believe the Bible. But wait a minute. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it. And acting upon it. Faith is only active with God when we come to the place that we cut off everything else but God. Faith without works is dead. So if faith is believing in the word of God, my faith only becomes active when I come to the place where I cut off everything else but God. That's how I got saved, by the way. I got saved because I was trusting in a whole lot of other things. Things that weren't in the Bible. Things the Bible said I didn't have to trust in. I, some are putting their faith in baptism. Some in speaking in tongues. And, and this is, this is, it's Jesus, yes, of course. But it's also this, and it's also this, and it's also works. And it's also, I've got to be good, and it's also this. So faith is, yeah, yeah, you've got to believe, but you, no, 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 no. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. I claim nothing it's not of works of righteousness which we have done it is only according to his mercy that he has saved us it is all Jesus it is none of us it's not what we can do so let's look at three specific needs that people have because we all have needs and these are areas that we have needs in and let's look at these needs and though I might not identify the exact need in this area that you have I will identify maybe one in each area. Number one, let's talk about this, a family need. Three specific needs that we have, a family need. And and faith is believing the word of God. Yes, so what does the word of God say? Well, what does the word of God say about a woman who's married to a man who is not saved? I mean, your husband doesn't know Christ. And so what do we do? Well, faith is believing the word of God. So what does God's word say? Well, it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 that wives, if you're in subjection to your own husbands, that literally if you obey not the word, that if you obey the word, that your husband can be one without the word 
by the conversation of the wife. In other words, we can have an influence in, in our husbands getting saved and coming to know Christ, not by nagging them, not by always throwing the gospel down their throats, but just by living the Christian life. So actually, God's word, if I believe that, I'm married, yes, my husband is lost, but, but by my conversation, not, not by my conversation, actually, the words that I say, but by the testimony of my life. And so I can act upon that. I've got something in the Bible that I can say, I'm going to trust that God will do what God said he would do. I don't know what your family need is. I don't know where you're at and what you're struggling with or if it's a prodigal in your, in, in, in your family or if it's a situation in your family that is, is, is you're struggling with in your marriage. Maybe it's a marriage situation. I can assure you, if you will read God's word, he will give you the answer and then you act upon what he says and you'll get an answer to that. But if all we do is just... Say we believe, but never act on what God's word. Okay, what about a financial need? You know, everybody's got financial needs. And I find so often that, that we have a financial need and we have the word of God, but we don't act upon it. God's word says, give and it shall be given unto you. God's word, as we've been taught here for 24 years, speaks of giving our tithes and our offerings to the church, to the storehouse, and do it the first day of the week. And, and I know there's electronic giving and there's other ways to give now, but without complicating and trying to cover all the bases, could I just be simple and just a tad bit old-fashioned this morning? Every Sunday morning is a test of faith. Every Sunday morning is a test of faith. Do we give? Do we trust God? We've heard it. We've heard that God can take our 90% and it can go a lot farther than our 100%. We've heard that. We've heard all the messages for these years and we, we've heard that God, God will bless this, 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 this step of faith in our giving and trusting God. He'll pour out blessings upon us that will not be able to, to even comprehend it. We've been taught what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 says, God is able. He's able to make grace abound towards you that ye always, having all sufficiency and all things, may abound to every good work. But do we believe it? Do we act upon it? Or will we continue to try to figure out ways that really don't indicate a true faith and belief in the Word of God? What about a fulfillment need? A fulfillment need. Maybe you're lonely. This morning, you, you, you're just struggling with anxiety and loneliness. And so lately, you've been turning maybe to alcohol or some turn to drugs, others turn to sex. And these are things that we're looking for temporary fulfillment in. They, they make us feel better for a short period of time, at least until we wake up in the morning and, and have to deal with it again. Maybe it's depression. A fulfillment need. Faith is believing the word of God. So what does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me. All ye that are that labor and are heavy laden, you're lonely, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you've you got heaviness, and turn to alcohol, and turn to drugs. No, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Trust me. Let me meet your needs. Let me take that burden from you. Let me wrap my arms around you and, and, and let me give you rest. 
You see, the Word of God needs to be acted upon. Do we really believe the Word of God? Is that what we are pursuing? Or is it our own thoughts and our own ideas? Or what about this? What about just our own feelings? Because faith is believing the Word of God no matter, no, uh, uh, and acting upon it no matter how I feel. Regardless of how I feel, sometimes I feel like doing something that is, is, is not a faith. There's where the doubt creeps in. Maybe I should do this. Maybe this will make me feel better. Maybe, maybe, this is, maybe, maybe if I just do this, it'll, it'll help me. And so we begin to doubt God. Uh, you know, maybe this isn't really what God says. And, and, but, but rather, no matter how you feel, this is so critical. If it's a family need, a financial need, a fulfillment need, and you don't feel like doing what God's word says to do, it doesn't matter. You do it anyway. Because your faith should not be determined by how you feel. Set aside how you feel. Sometimes I don't feel like trusting God. Sometimes I, I want to figure it out myself. Sometimes my, my flesh gets the best of me and, and I begin to doubt God and I, I begin to, to take, take my eyes off of, of, of Jesus and, and I look to the storm and I look to the waves like Peter did. Has anybody ever been there? And I begin to sink because I just didn't feel that this was going to work out and God said, no, 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 trust me. Because faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how you feel. Because God has promised a good result. He's promised a good result. God said, listen, it may not be the result you were looking for. It may not be the result you thought would happen. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. God says, I promise a good result. If you will believe my word, everything will work together for your good. Everything. He said, but what about my mom having a stroke? How is that? It'll work together. I love you. Have faith. Believe. This has all got a purpose behind it. I'm in, the, I'm in the high tower, God says. I'm looking down on everything. I'm sovereign over everything. Trust me. Because I promise it's going to be great. What about the world? It's falling apart. What about what's happening all over the world? God says, trust me. If you're a Christian, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again and he's coming back, you win. Regardless of how you feel and what you see. I promise a good result. So faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. So we've seen the prescription of faith. What about the prominence of faith in Scripture? Now, please stay with me for the next five minutes because sometimes when we get into Scripture, we struggle. We like stories. We like illustrations. We like to laugh. But sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees, you know? I mean, we, 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 we get... Our minds are dulled by the reading of Scripture because we're just... Our attention spans are so short. And truly, we, we just have not... Immersed ourselves in God's word, so God's word has begun to bore us. But God's word is the answer. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 2 says this, For by it, for by it, if you look at your Bibles, it is faith. For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Look at verse 3. 
Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Just write evolution next to that. Just let your mind work. I won't even preach on that. Just, just let, hey, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Hallelujah. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive the foreign inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. What a day that was. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not. Do you see the theme here? Is everybody getting the theme? By faith, by faith, by faith. Through faith, through faith, through faith. Look at verse 32. And what shall I more say? I mean, I really don't have the time, God says. Well, what, what more do you want me to say about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel? Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence a fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weaknesses were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. Others were tortured. Oh, my. Everything changes now. It didn't always work out. Sounded good for a while there, didn't it? Sounded like, man, that sounds good. But then all of a sudden we come to this passage. Others were tortured because they would not accept deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings, scourgings, bonds, and imprisonment. Some were stoned, cut in half, sewn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute. Same, same, same crowd, same faith crowd. Afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. These people wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves. Notice the theme here of all these people. By, say it with me, church, by faith. More than 300 times in the New Testament we find the word faith or the same Greek word for the word faith. Faith is the message of Scripture. If we were to take the New Testament, just the Gospels alone. Hey, let's just take Matthew in the Gospels. Look at some of these scriptures. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30 says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Just keep going there, brother. Matthew 8, 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, That followed, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, he said to this man. I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Matthew 9, 2, behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. He's lying on a bed. But Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the sick of the palsy, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Matthew 9, 22, but Jesus turned him about. When he saw her, he said, daughter, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy 
faith hath made thee whole. Matthew chapter, go ahead, 1358. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and he called him and said to him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew 15, 28, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Woman, great is thy faith, be it even, be it, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Then Jesus said, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye would have had faith as the grain of a mustard seed. Luke, put that little picture on the screen. There she is. That's a mustard seed. When the Bible says if you can have that much faith, you can barely see it. If you have that much faith, go back to the verse, let's read it. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain. I can't hardly read it. <laughs> but it, but I, like, I can read the word faith, amen? Because that's all that matters. If you got faith and you can't read the rest. <laughs> the bottom line is this. Everywhere in the New Testament is the message of faith. Everywhere. You want to start Matthew, go to Mark, Luke, John, I mean, Acts, Romans, it just keeps going 300 times. Every step with God is a step of faith. Every lesson learned is a lesson of faith. Every victory won is a victory by faith. That's the prominence of faith. You see, faith is not a part of the Christian life like patience is. Patience is just a part. Be patient. That's cool. We need to be patient. Be kind. One to another. Be tender-hearted. Those are good things. Those are just parts. Parts of the Christian life. Pieces of the Christian life. Faith is not a part. Faith is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. The Christian life is a life of faith. The Christian life is a life of trusting in God. It's believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. When I'm doing that, when I'm doing that, I am moving in the right direction and God is able to do phenomenal things. But when I'm not doing that, when I'm not believing the Bible, when I'm not acting upon it, no matter how I feel, then I'm going backwards. I'm backsliding. I'm stepping back. I'm slipping. And I think I've been there even recently. But thank God for this new message of faith. You know, sometimes we wonder, as I, maybe you've wondered, because, you know, a few weeks ago I, I said, love is the greatest. Faith, hope, and love. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. It says, now, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest is love. So preacher, maybe it's not faith that's the greatest. I mean, are you, are, are you putting a little too much emphasis on faith? Well, let's go to the context of Scripture because isn't that how we learn God's Word? We go to the context of Scripture. What is the context of 1 Corinthians? It's horizontal. It's talking about our relationship with others. 
It's talking about impacting the world. Listen, when you talk about impacting others and bringing others to Christ, you will not get any greater than love. But when it comes to the relationship with God, when you want to go vertical, the greatest is faith. Because without faith, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, it is impossible to please God. Vertical faith, horizontal love. You want a strong relationship with God, the most important thing we can have is faith because that faith then will grow our love for Him, but we first must put our faith in Jesus Christ. So we have the prescription of faith, the prominence of faith. Now let's look at the power of faith. It's powerful. In fact, it is so powerful. Look at Hebrews 11, and let's look at the power of faith. Last two verses, 39 and 40. Are you looking? Here they are. So these all, all these people we've talked about for 39 verses, or 38 verses, all of these people obtained a good report through what? Faith. But they received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. You see, for them, it was a promise. What was a promise? The gospel, right? They, they, they didn't understand the gospel like we understand the gospel. Am I making sense? In the Old Testament, they didn't understand the cross like we understand the cross. They didn't have Matthew. They didn't have Mark. They got saved by the power of faith by looking to the cross and believing that it was coming. We get saved by looking back to the cross. It is the evidence. We have a a picture of the cross. We believe because it's an established fact that Jesus died and rose again. And by the power of faith, those who look to the cross and those look back to the cross are saved. That's a pretty powerful thing, isn't it? Faith, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. This is it. This is what overcomes the world. Are you ready? What overcomes the world is your political persuasion. That's why this election is so important. Why isn't somebody tackling me right now and dragging me off this pipe? Because you know I'm joking, that's why. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Fox News. CNN. Tune in in the mornings and find out what's going to happen. Because that's where we put our faith. In the news. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. The Sentinel Record. The Arkansas Democrat. The New York Times. No, no, no. Even our faith. Little, little torn up about Turkey. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, it used to happen about every, what, six months? I've lived long enough to see one national catastrophe about every year. About once a year. Wow, that was big. And then a year goes by. Wow, that was big. And then a year's, here's, here it is now. A day. A day. Because as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man. He'll come back in perilous times. We're getting close, church. We're getting close. It's not even every week now. It's almost every other day. Turkey. France. A truck going high speed, mowing people down. 
Folks, listen, there's going to be a truck come down your street today. What about Orlando? Somebody walks into a building and mows people down. What about Dallas and other places where we've seen racism on both sides of the table at an all-time high in our nation? Are you troubled by these things? Are you troubled by the election? Who's going to win? Oh, preacher, we got to get on vote because that's going to change our country. You're wrong. You vote your conscience. You've got to vote. I believe with all of my heart, if you don't vote, listen, I don't, I don't know how much of an American you are. That's the freedom we enjoy. We should vote. It's the right thing to do. We should vote our conscience. We should vote according to Scripture. But the thing that brings victory is not the Republican Party. The thing that brings victory is not the Democratic Party. The thing that brings victory is our faith in a God who reigns over all. Even our faith. So if we're tortured, we're tortured. We have faith. So if we're beaten, we're beaten. Or if we're not beaten, whatever. If we continue to live in a free country without much persecution, so be it by faith. But if persecution comes heavily upon our nation, we live by faith. That's what overcomes the world. That is the power of faith. We live in a dark world but we can live victoriously by faith. So don't put your faith in a political party. Keep your eyes on the Lord. In fact, in fact, put 0% of your confidence in the Republican Party. And put 0% of your confidence, zero. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Right here. All my eggs right here. That's it. And so let's, let's move on to the last thought. Perfect timing. 1159. Let's talk about the plan of faith. This is where it gets exciting. This is so cool. What is the plan of faith? Well, this is how we grow our faith. This is where uh, pastor is going to tell you now, okay, let's practically, let's practically, practically describe and decide how can I have less doubt and more faith. This is it. Six, seven minutes and we're done. But this is the best part. I mean, it's better if you've listened. But this is when you should sit up and say, hey, you mean I can walk out of this building with a plan? Yes. You mean the Bible actually tells me how I can increase my faith? It's more than a song? Yes. Didn't we just sing that it's more than a song? And that song we believe? Let our faith be more than anthems. Greater than the songs we sing. Didn't you hear that? Faith is not, you know, well, I have a lot of faith. I sing worship songs. That has nothing to do with it. Faith is understanding these things. How can I grow my faith? Number one, by the word. I guess you thought I was going to give you something really, really big and hard to understand. Well, it's not hard to understand Romans 10, 17, is it? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you like that? One plus one equals two. About that simple. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I want to increase my faith, I've got to spend time in the word. That's it. In fact, <clears throat> Joe mentioned we were, we were rocked a little bit this week. I had put my faith in other churches. I put my faith in this unity that, 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 that we have, and we do have unity. But I thought, man, everybody's going to come. We're going to have a thousand that first night. And so I put my faith in, in the confidence of the unity that seemed to be there. 
And so when I walked out Monday night, I, I felt like a failure. I thought, we shouldn't have done this. This is stupid. Why did I do this? I should have stuck with Pigeon Ford and maybe gone to a bigger city. Because I put my faith in crowds. I put my faith in numbers. I put my faith in, in, in unity. You see, what I've learned is this. is <laughs> faith is not to be put in man, it's to be put in God. And so someone came up to me and said, well, preacher, we had 20 saved the first night. Wouldn't it be worth it if all we had, I mean, can you put a value on that? And then I started getting text messages by the workers at Hillcrest. One girl who was physically abused by her parents, sexually abused by her parents, said she finally broke the chains this week and got saved. This week. I mean, over and over again, we're hearing stories, especially out of Hillcrest, because a revival took place there as a result of you giving $20 times 35 times 4. We had to give $3,500, and we did, for those kids to go to every session, and they did. They didn't go free. I couldn't afford for anybody to go free. But the truth of the matter is, is after Monday night, I had my devotions Tuesday morning, just one service in, and I, I began to build my faith and, and, and grow my faith. We had a worse crowd Tuesday night than we had Monday night. <laughs> and I, I felt great about it. <laughs> oh, man, God, God told us to do this. And where God guides, God provides. And then all of a sudden, I, I was getting encouragement from others, and, and, and Joe was getting blessed, and Jordan was getting blessed, and Vince was getting blessed, and, and others were coming to me saying, man, wasn't this great? Wasn't it awesome? Isn't God good? And, and it wasn't uh, you know, about the crowd. It was more about the Holy Spirit moving and saving souls and changing lives. And I got my eyes off the numbers, and I got my eyes off of, well, we're running a little short. We might not be able to meet every single... And I said, you know what, God? You said to do this. You've got to provide. I'm just going to rejoice and live in victory. Now, I didn't say, I know there's the old thing, well, faith and foolishness. I understand that. But just for a moment, can I revel in the mighty power of God to save souls at the convention center this week? Doesn't mean we're going to have it again. Doesn't mean we're going to do it again. That's all got to be discussed and planned. But as I look back on this year and I see God's hand and what he... You know what I think Teen Revolution was really for? Let me tell you who I think it was for. It was for us. It was for us. It was for us to get out of our comfort zone and to take a step of faith and to risk a little bit. Listen, choose to live your life in such a way that God has to come through. We live in comfort zones. We live in safety zones. We live in tight quarters where I, I know I know it's all going to, it has to because it just has to because it all makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't need to make sense. Sometimes he calls us out upon the waters like he did this week. So by the word, what about this? By your witness. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. That, 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 that proves our faith. You know how you grow your faith? You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. God wants what's in us to come out. So we can what? Live out loud. 
You see, if, if you're not willing to do this, don't tell me about your belief in God. Don't tell me about your faith. You believe in God, but you're not willing to confess it? You say you have put your faith in something as awesome as Jesus Christ, but you're not willing to talk about it? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Listen, when someone asks me if I'm married, guess what I say? Yes! I'm married and I love my wife. Why? Because it's real. And if your faith is real, you are going to live out loud. Because God wants what is in us to come out of us. And if you want your faith to grow, you must confess your faith. We believe in God the Father. And then by your work. By your work. James chapter 2, verse 17. Let's just read this on the screen. I'll just read it one verse after the other. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, I have faith. Hey, I have faith. I go to church. I have faith. Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. You believe there's a God? Great. The devil also believes and trembles. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You see, we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But when you're saved by faith, works will follow. Work. I believe sometimes we get lazy in church. I believe one of the dangers of transitioning a church and, and stepping back from some of the things that we, we did, all of a sudden we don't replace those things and we find ourselves being Sunday morning only Christians. We go from burnout. You know, I was just working some, I was always at the church, I was, to we're never at the church. To now when there's an announcement about, well, we're going to have something, oh, well, that's my night to watch television. And, and I guess tomorrow night and the next night and the next night. So what happens and what's happened at Gospel Light, some is I feel like we're kind of falling back into 10%, do 90%. And that's the same way we were before. You see, the truth of the matter is, is we ought to be a busy church. We ought to be actively involved. Bridget should not be the only one doing the food pantry. There should be 20 ladies saying, I'll volunteer once a month. Some... Thomas should have a list a mile long of people that say, call me, at least, Thomas, at least call me once every two months to make a visit to the hospital. I want, I want to be used to minister to the sick. You see, what's happened is we, we've gotten comfortable going to church on Sunday morning only, and so now we don't work much. We, used to, we liked those messages when I preached about, we're just too busy, we need to spend more time with family. And what we decided was, you know, that's, that's all we're going to do. Let me tell you something, church. If there ever was a time for us to get busy for God, the time is now. And I shouldn't have to explain myself. You know what I mean. You're talking, to, you're talking about a family man. I'll never forget my son, Mo. One of the greatest lessons I learned about church work and being busy. Mo was about 10 years old. He's 25 now, so you can tell. I never forgot this. A preacher gets up in the pulpit here at Gospel Light and just began to complain about the ministry so busy I'll not lose my family 
for the ministry. And, and that sounds good. And I say amen. I do. But he went on and complained about the ministry and serving God. And my son went home, 10 years old. I said, Dad, what was his problem? I said, what do you mean, son? He said, man, he sounded like he hates the ministry and he's mad at the ministry. And he said, man, I love the ministry. He said, I love, you know, I'm glad you're a pastor. I'm gl-. He goes, Dad, maybe what he needs to do is serve God with his family. My little 10-year-old kid just said, Dad, we just have always stayed busy, but we do stuff with you. You know, the best way to serve God is together. Don't do it by yourself. Bring your family. I love to see family. I love to see the Harknesses. You guys are never not serving without your kids. Thank God for that. Because guess what? You can either sit as a family in front of the television or you can sit with your family serving God. Well, sometimes I vote for the TV, like when the Razorbacks are playing. I say that's a great way to serve God. But other than that, no, I'm just kidding. You know what I mean. I always have to kind of pull away because I don't want you to take it to the extreme. You know what I mean. I'm not preaching against watching TV with your family. I do it nearly every day. But I am saying this, that some of us need to examine, are we doing anything together at the church for God? Because faith without works is dead. Don't tell me how much you believe in God unless you've got stuff you're doing for him. Does that make sense? Is that okay? Did I say it nice enough? Because I want to say it nice, but I kind of want to step on your toes too. Faith. 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 It's the victory. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed, God is going to